0: If you have a Bible, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and then I'm going to go to James chapter 4. And I want to help answer a question that I think is one of the major frustrations of being a Christian, and that is, why am I not receiving the things that I'm asking for? Anybody in here been praying and believing God for something and it hasn't happened yet? Just like two people. Okay, cool. Wow. Maybe you don't need this. All right, let's get the worship team back up here and they can keep singing. Y'all don't need this. Um, Let's ask that question again. Anybody in the room ask God for something, been believing God for something, you have not received it yet? All right, that's a lot of people. So I want to talk to you about why maybe you're not receiving it. And I want to help you to, uh, we we talked Sunday, we talked about all different kinds of prayers because we have all different kinds of problems and i encourage you to go back and listen to that again one of the things that i love about our church is that we don't sell our sermons you can just go get them for free on the internet and uh, we don't sell them with like a bottle of anointing oil or you know something like that Um, this in 1980 and uh all right anyhow some of y'all know i'm talking about you've been around church for a minute um so i'm thankful for that so you can go back and you can watch Anytime, as many times as you want, you can listen. We have a podcast where you can download the sermon. So I do encourage you to go and listen to that. But I don't think you need to have heard that to to hear what I'm sharing tonight. Matthew chapter 7. This is what the Bible says here. Jesus is teaching. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7 in the Amplified Bible says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Ask, keep asking, knock, keep knocking, seek, keep seeking. I told you Sunday that asking is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. And I think if we're not careful, we will put the pressure of the outcome on ourselves. And we will, we will, we will mistake our place in our relationship with the Father. And we will think that it is our job to to ensure outcomes. And then we will obsess over outcomes instead of obsessing over the things that we are responsible for. The apostle put it this way, even about when God wants to bless somebody or God wants to do something or God wants to increase somebody or God wants to bring fruit out of somebody's life. He said, one waters or not one plants the seed, one waters, but it's God who brings the increase. Can somebody say amen? So increase is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. Planting seed and watering the seed. That's me, but God brings the increase. So I want to ask this question again. Why am I not receiving? If Jesus said, ask and he'll give it to me. Seek and I'll find it. Knock and the door will be open. Why isn't that happening for me? I want to take you to James chapter 4, and we're going to use James chapter 4 to launch into some thoughts tonight that I believe are really going to help your prayer life. And one of the things that I think we need to do in order to get people to pray is teach people what right prayer looks like. Because I think we've been so misinformed. I think one of the jobs of the church is not to just inform people, but to help people unlearn bad things that they've been taught that are leading to frustration and are robbing them of faith. To the point where people even ask the question, why should I even pray? And we have a world that's actually denying the power of prayer and mocking us as if prayer isn't the most powerful tool and weapon that we have to fight against the enemy. When we say, when we say, Sister Lynn said something tonight, like we need to take back some ground. She's not talking about going out with, you know... Picket signs and taking the streets and, you know, taking over things, you know, she's not talking about going out with weapons and forcibly, you know, making people Christians. She's talking about in prayer, by the power of God, we cast down principalities and strongholds, and we, we make the enemy bow to, uh, to, to Jesus. So, okay, so James chapter 4, chapter 1, and I'm going to read the first three verses. It says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? Desire is going to be an interesting word for us tonight. You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I mean, we could really just read that and walk away, couldn't we? That's pretty self-explanatory, but what I want to do is I want to help break this down for you because I think just a reading of it doesn't really give us all of the intention that is behind what James is saying and is also found all the way through the scripture. That's why you should never build doctrine on one little verse that you pull out of the Bible. It must be the tone and the tenor of the entire Bible Come on, somebody. All right. I love this, first of all, because James seems to be more bothered by the selfishness and bitterness of people fighting than what they are fighting about. James's frustration is the fighting, not what they're fighting about. James doesn't go, you know, you guys are always fighting because Billy's always wrong and Billy keeps having bad ideas and Billy's a liberal and Johnny's a Republican and you guys keep fighting because Billy's a liberal. He's not concerned about what they're arguing over. He's concerned about the tenor and tone of the quarrel. If you are going to disagree, God says you better disagree the right way and with the right attitude or I'll get more upset about the disagreement than I will what you are disagreeing about. Okay. All right, that was for free. That's not even what I came to talk about tonight. So James, I, I love James. He's straight to the point. And okay, so simply, we talked about this a little bit Sunday. We talked about one of the reasons we don't receive is because we just don't ask. And you have to make a commitment to yourself that you are, that you are never going to not have something because you didn't ask for it. If I don't have it, and it's God's will that I don't have it, that's fine. But it's not going, but I'm But I'm not going to be void of it in my life because I didn't ask for it. Does that make sense? So he says, you have not because you don't ask God. And because you haven't asked God, you are now coveting everybody else's stuff. You are looking at other people's lives. You are comparing yourselves with each other, and you're fighting and quarreling among each other so much to to the extent that you hate each other enough to actually kill one another. That's amazing to me. So he says, "You have not because you ask not." And then he says, "You you don't have because you ask with wrong motives." So let's talk about have not because you ask not really quickly because I've I've already discussed that. Let me write. Let me read to you what Charles Spurgeon said about it. He said. We might state as a virtual spiritual law, he says that God does not give unless we ask. If we possess little of God and his kingdom, almost certainly we have asked little. Remember this text, Psalms 2, Jehovah says to his own son, Ask of me and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession." If the royal and divine Son of God cannot be exempted from the rule of asking that He may have, you and I cannot expect the rule to be relaxed in our favor, and why should it be? That's what Charles Spurgeon said. So if Jesus had to ask, what makes you and me think that God's just up there reading our minds? He knows, but the reason we have to ask is because God wants to know, do you even care what I want. Do you even care about asking me? Are you interested in getting it from me? Or are you more interested in getting it on your own? And as a church, I don't want us to ever be a church that doesn't have because we didn't ask. So I'm just going to tell you, we're going to ask big. We're going to ask God for stuff that we don't deserve, that we didn't earn, that we didn't work for. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I'm all about the, the vineyards we didn't plant, the houses we didn't build. I'm I'm all give me all that, Jesus. So I'm gonna ask. But after James deals with the issue of not asking, he talks to them about selfishness in prayer. This is important. And I'm gonna give you some, some keys to, to having your prayers answered. One of the first ways you get prayers answered with a yes, because I, I guarantee you, God, when you pray, he either says yes, no, or not yet. It's yes, no, or not yet. He's not thinking about it. God doesn't have to reason. You know, like you ask God and he's like, let me think about that for a second. I'm not really sure. Let me think about all the ramifications of that. No, when you ask, it's yes, no, or not not. Yet, Let me give you a first, first thought here. If he cannot put his name on it, he will not do it. John 14 and 13 says this, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Why? So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Here's a key to answered prayers. Will it bring glory to Jesus? Are you... Are you asking for it because you want God to get the glory or are you asking for it because it's what you need? Are you asking for it because you want God to get the glory or are you asking for it because you want to get the glory? Let me give you a second thought. Obeying his word is not an option when it comes to our prayer life. We don't get to <laughs> we don't get to claim promises And rebel against principles and get our prayers answered. Okay. Let me just give you scripture. 1 John 3 and 22 says whatever we ask we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Number one, maybe your prayer isn't getting answered because God can't put his name on it. Number two, maybe your prayer isn't getting answered because you are not obeying the Lord's commands And pleasing Him with your life. You're like, that's not... Yeah, that's New Testament. James 4 and 3 says, You ask not, or you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. One of the the keys here is that when we ask, if the motive is for me to get something to spend it on me, God says... I don't do that. I don't do that. (laughs) But God, I really, really want you to... This is where we've gotten mixed up and this is where theology got mixed up and this is where TV preachers got mixed up and this is where a lot of stuff got mixed up was where we thought that God was obligated to give us what we want. And God isn't obligated to give us what we want god is not obligated to finance our agenda god's only responsibility is to take care of his agenda okay so we've got to be very careful that we're not mad at god for unanswered prayers or what seems like unanswered prayers could be a no but we got to be careful that we don't we're not getting upset with god because he's not giving us stuff that is going to make us happy because can i can I just tell you, God isn't interested in you being happy. He's interested in your joy. <laughs> He's interested in your joy. And joy has nothing to do with happenings, which is what happiness is all about joy is a secured position but not because of what i have or what i possess joy is secure because of who i possess his name is jesus and i've already been given everything that i need in christ and so if i'm asking for stuff cuz it's i just i just want it for me god is not obligated to answer that request and I'll, i'm going to talk to you about this a little bit more because we need to talk about desire in a minute but maybe maybe James isn't just talking about asking for stuff that we want to we want for ourselves what if James is also talking about we are asking too small what if James is talking about people who only ask for enough for them what if what if God doesn't answer prayers that are when we pray, for just enough for us what if what if God what if that's a selfish prayer what if it's selfish to just say God keep my lights on think about that for a second what if what if what if God wants to do more than keep your lights on what if God wants to use you to be a funnel of blessing not only to keep yours on but to keep others on And maybe, maybe some of your asking is selfish in the sense not that you're asking to spend it on yourself, but the only person you're thinking about in your prayers is you. That's, man, that slapped me upside my head hard when I thought that. Maybe we're asking too small. Selfish prayers, what if selfish prayers are are just enough for me prayers? I want to talk to you about this for a moment because because the opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is actually sight. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. James says, "You, you have not because you ask not. And if you do ask, he says, you ask amiss. In other words, there's a a mark that your prayer was supposed to hit and it missed the mark. What if we have become so selfish that our our prayers are no longer a pathway to to our purpose, but now they are the thing we use to protect us from disappointment? So now now we are praying so selfishly that the only things that we can pray about are are our personal protection and our personal blessing and God opening up a door for me. And it's amazing that even when you go into the Old Testament, you read about the life of Job, that Job's situation did not turn until Job started to pray not about what was going on with him, but what, what was happening with his friends. The Bible said that Job prayed for his friends and then his situation started to turn. What? It, could it be possible that our prayers are missing the mark because all our prayers are focused on is us? Now Mark 11.24 is interesting because Mark 11.24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Okay? So James is talking about the things that you desire. James says that you get off in your prayers because you desire and you have these desires. They battle within you. And you desire but you don't have so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight. And so he says you have not because you ask not. There, there is a level of desire in your life that wants stuff that, that isn't for you. And so when you go, when you, when you read something like a Matthew 11 or, or, or Mark eleven twenty four 24, you get frustrated because you're like, well, if God said I'm supposed to get the things that I desire in my heart, well, why isn't he giving me the stuff I desire? Well, we have to check your desire. I think when God says the desire of your heart, the assumption is that the desire of your heart is also the desire of his heart. And he says this, he says, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Now, I'm going to dig in here a little bit. And this is a Wednesday night. And I know I I know that this is a, a crowd from all different types of walks of life. And I don't want you to think that every service is like this. But I have to go just a little bit deeper here. And, and you might already be lost and mad at me because you brought a friend tonight. And it's not what you thought it was going to be. But... Uh, Hebrews 11 and 1 says this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So someone said one time, I heard this years ago, they said, without hope, faith is unemployed. Without hope, faith doesn't have a job to do. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. What's the point of faith if you have no hope, right? And unrealized desire is painful, So what happens to us is we have a desire, we ask God for that desire, God doesn't give us that desire, and that unrealized desire causes pain. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and two or 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. So what happens to us is most people would rather stop asking than live with the pain of unrealized desire. And we miss the principle of Matthew 7 that says, ask and keep on asking. And th- there is, there are unrealized desires, things that you've been asking God for. And you get to this point where you're just like, okay, I have prayed a long time. I have fasted about that I have sought God I have talked to people I have gotten counseling I have done everything that I know to do I have given I have served and none of that is happening so instead of living with the pain of unrealized desire we stop short of ask and keep on asking and when we stop short of asking keep on asking we do what the, the, the New Testament tells us it says do not grow weary in doing well for in due season you will reap if you do not faint. We have to recognize that when it comes to our prayer life, we cannot, we cannot live our prayer life based on our senses or seasons. Because when it comes to prayer, we, prayer is not bound up by the sin. Remember, we don't live by sight. We live by faith. We, we don't live by the things we hear with our natural ear. We live by the things we hear with our spiritual ear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And, and some people are upset right now because you're, you're having a hard time with this because your ear is carnal. And sometimes you can't receive because your your ear is carnal. That's why the Bible says, it says that the carnal man cannot receive the things of the spirit. The natural man, he doesn't discern them. He doesn't, he can't receive from God. Jesus said, my words to you are spirit and they are life. In other words, before God ever puts it in our hand, he puts it in our spirit. I'm trying to help you tonight. So he says, He says you have not because you ask not. And you also, when you ask, you ask amiss. So in order to properly to hit the mark with our prayers, we cannot pray prayers with our senses. And we cannot pray prayers and only assume that God will do them in natural seasons because in the kingdom of god i heard a preacher say years ago in the kingdom of god there are five seasons winter spring summer fall and dew season <laughs> and if you if you if you limit god to your five senses then you will also limit god in your seasons You will think, you will assume that because God hasn't, you can't see God doing it, you can't hear God doing it, you can't smell God doing it, you can't taste God doing it. You will assume that if He hasn't done it so you can see it, you will assume that if He hasn't done it in winter, spring, summer, or fall, that it's not going to get done. But it does not have to be done in your seasons. There is a due season that. There is a reaping season that comes for you if you will not faint. And that season can come in January. It can come in September. Whenever God decides that it's time for that seed to bear fruit, whenever God decides that it's time for that word to come to pass, there is not a season that can stop it. It doesn't matter if it is winter. It doesn't matter if it's summer. It doesn't matter if people think it's the appropriate time. All that matters is God said it's due season. So what happens if, if we're not careful, we will pray according to our senses and according to seasons. And what, what this does to us is this makes us pray sight prayers and not faith prayers. I want to give you the difference. 1 Corinthians two nine says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, What no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So in other words, Paul is saying here, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can even comprehend the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But I love that it doesn't stop there. It says, These are the things, though, that God has revealed to us by his spirit. In other words, you are not going to see it with your eyes naturally until you see it with your eyes spiritually. Every single miracle that Jesus did in the New Testament was not just about the physical miracle that he did. It was also about a spiritual miracle that he wants to do. Jesus is not just trying to open up blinded eyes in the natural. Jesus is trying to open up blinded eyes in the spirit. Because you can have your sight and be blind at the same time. You can see 2020 with your natural eye and be blind in the spirit. And that's, that's, that's got to be concerning to us because it, that type of living makes us pray sight prayers and not, not faith prayers. So he says, nobody knows, but the Spirit has revealed these things. And he says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Wow. What God, this is what I'm trying to tell, tell you tonight. If you, can, if you can roll with me on this. What God has for me and what God has for you, At some point in its evolution into our lives, it is not seen by the natural eye. It cannot be detected by the human eye. But it does not mean it isn't there. And I have, my challenge to you tonight is, and the reason I wanted to get up here and, and I shut down the music, a song early, Is because I needed to get up here and tell you to stop praying for what you see in the natural. Start asking God for what you see in the spirit. Here's 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 I think where we're where we're missing it. And I I know for some people, maybe this sounds complicated, but this is not complicated. This is so simple. What happens to us is where we live in this natural world we start praying according to sight and and the extent that we ask God for things is to the extent of what we've been exposed to some of us don't don't know to ask for more because we've not been exposed to more so, so what happens is we live in this natural world and Of course our prayers are dominated by our sight because we pray according to what we've seen. And so what we're believing God for is not what he has for us. What we're believing God for is what he's already given somebody else. We want a duplicate. We want our version. So we see a house and we go, man, I want a house like that. We see a car and we say, I want a car like that. We see a job and we say, I want a job like that. We see a marriage and we say, I want a marriage like that. We see a person and say, I want to live like that. We see somebody. And so what we do, not only does comparison cloud the clarity of your own calling, but it pollutes what God has prepared for you because now you are asking on the level that you've seen in the natural and not on the level that you've seen in the spirit. So no wonder you ask and you ask amiss because God doesn't want you to have that house. He wants you to have your house. Is that, and this, this has helped me so much. The reason I'm sharing this with you is because it's helped me. And, and, and I've, been able to, over just the past few weeks, put some language to, to what God has been stirring in me for probably five years now. This has been, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten to the point now where I understand it. And, and this understanding has literally brought me out of depression. I got, and the reason I tell you this is because it has, it has begun to eliminate comparison in my life. Because I am not asking God for anybody else's ministry, anybody else's calling, anybody else's. I want what God has created. I want what God has made specifically for me. And the thing, listen, the thing that used to get me so depressed was I would look at other people who do what I do, And I would compare myself to them, and I would think on some levels, it wasn't comparing myself to them and wishing I had what they had. It was comparing myself to them in a way that made me feel like I was doing it wrong. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're a nurse, they're a nurse. But you live there, and they live there. You're a teacher, they're a teacher. <laughs> but they work here and you work there. You're a mechanic, they're a mechanic. But you work here and they work there. And I, I, I used to look at other people who did what I did and thought that I was failing because I wasn't doing it how they were doing it. And then I realized. <laughs> I don't I am never going to be held accountable to a word God didn't give me ever <laughs> This is good this is good news man this has helped me so much I, I gotta tell you this is this is incredible my wife will tell you I would I, I have I have literally battled depression at sometimes to the point where I, I've I've talked to people about it but I, I thought it was I thought it maybe even clinical in my life. And and so I was I was considering and I, I want to speak to everybody in this room who who has a clinical diagnosed depression that I, I don't I don't know what you're going through. I have something different and I don't understand what it means to have to take medication to get your levels right and all that other stuff. That's not what I'm talking about right now. But what I am talking about is a depression that has come upon you not because something is wrong with the chemical makeup in your mind, but because something is wrong with the way you are thinking about your life. And even for the people who have a diagnosed medical issue with depression and anxiety, I believe that the same God who has delivered me from whatever type of anxiety and depression I have faced can also heal and deliver you. But again, even with that, don't you run on a word God gave somebody else. Well, my friend took, stopped taking their medication, so i I'm going to talk to you about that in just a second. We're going to get there. But it's lifted me up because there was was a level of comparison in my life that was not just clouding the clarity of my calling, but it was also polluting what God had prepared for me. And I would look at what I was doing. I compare what other people were doing, and I was like, man, I would feel bad. Maybe I just don't have enough faith. Maybe, I just, maybe I'm just not as gifted. Maybe I'm just not working as hard. Maybe I'm not giving it all that I've got. Maybe I just need to, and, and maybe, but, you know, I, I, I started to realize, hold up. God never told me I was supposed to do what they do. God made me the way he made me. And he <laughs> he put me together the way he put me together because what he needs me to do is, is so specific. And if I try to do what they try to do, I will ruin what God is trying to do through me to help you. I cannot help you trying to be somebody else. I cannot help you trying to be your former pastor. I cannot help you trying to be your former church. My favorite thing is when people come to this church and they, they're like, hey, at our old church, we used to do this. And I'm like, if it was so great, why are you here? We're going to do what we do. How we do it. Ooh. <laughs> my God. Even just the freedom to say that. My goodness. Huh. Here let me let me give you some, some Bible real quick. So John 6:63 6, says the spirit gives life the flesh counts for nothing the words I have spoken to you they are full of the spirit and life. 1 Corinthians 2:14 says the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Years ago, I wrote this, this down, and as I was going through old notes today, I saw this. Someone preached years ago, they said, in a sermon, they said, prayer is how I give birth to what God has put into my spirit. I'm not all about the birthing analogies in church, because that's, that's, that doesn't feel like a male thing, you know what I'm saying? But, but prayer is how I give birth to what God has put, put in my spirit. Remember? Matthew 11, or Mark eleven twenty four. 24, he says, he says this, he says, believe you have received them, whatever you desire, whatever you ask in my name, believe you have received it and you shall have it. Look at the progression there. There is the progress that we see here is a there must be a belief that I have received it before I actually have it. Think about that. He says, believe you have received them and you shall have them. In other words, I said this just a few minutes ago, but I want to reiterate this. Whatever God's going to do for me, He's going to speak it to me because He gives it to me in my spirit before He puts it in my hand. And I have to act like it's in my hand before it gets to my hand. Okay. So in Joel 3 and 10. We quote a lot. It says, he says. Let the weak say I am strong. In other words. I am not what I am. I am what I pray for. He didn't say let the strong say I am strong. He says, Let the weak say, I am strong. I receive it in my spirit before I receive it in my hands. Hebrews 11 and 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. This podium did not start out as a podium. This physical thing you see here did not start out this way, it started out as a thought. A thought became a plan or a drawing or a design that pulled together the material that ended up making this podium. And what happens is if you have the wrong thoughts about who and what you are supposed to be, you will pull together the wrong material and you will build a life that God never intended for you to build. So what is seen is not made out of what is Visible. When you stop living by the Spirit, you start living according to someone else's plans. This is why Romans 12, 2 makes so much more sense to me now. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I cannot discern the will of God from my life until I get my mind right. And listen to me, it's got to become as real in your spirit as it is in your hand. I'll I'll never forget this, and we have a living example of this almost every week up here. My brother, when we were little, we spent a lot of time in cars together, listening to music because my dad and mom would travel all over the country. So you've got this little Chevy Chevette and all of our luggage and me and Ricky and baby Rebecca and mom and dad, and we're driving all over the place. Car catching on fire, staying in other people's houses, creepy people's houses, staying in church basements, staying in, you know, eep, 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 motels that you just, just, an interesting life, okay? And what, whenever, we were, whenever we were in the car or we were in a service, especially in the car, because we were sitting down, my brother Ricky, would, he would rock back and forth in the car, even when music wasn't playing. He's just constantly, he's rocking back and forth, and he is banging his head on the, on the seat, and, and we're thinking, man, something is not right with this. Ricky's just banging his head. Music comes on and Ricky's just in the back. And he's just, you know, air guitaring it like crazy. Piano comes on. Ricky, he's acting like he's playing the piano. Bass line hits. Ricky's acting like he's playing the bass. We're in church and Ricky's just, whoever he's watching on, on the stage, he's just playing right along with them. And whatever instrument he's playing, he's paying attention to. He's just playing right along with them. He's singing and he's making noise. And at that time, if you were to put an actual guitar in his hands, he could not have played it. But it was in his spirit. And, and I'm just telling some of y'all, you need to air play. You need to air guitar before you ever get a real guitar. You need to go ahead right now and give God praise like it's already done. It's in my spirit. I might not see it in the natural. But I can see it in the spirit. And if I can see it in the spirit, then whatever I see, I can have. And the reason some of your prayers are amiss is because you're asking God for something that ain't even in your spirit. You just saw somebody else have it. I got to stop. Starts as an idea, but it's it, it's it's planted by God. Guys come to me, tell me all the time, man, I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm called to preach. This is what I say to him. Here's here's what I want. In the next year, bring me five people that you have personally witnessed to one to Jesus. And we'll talk about it. Do you know how many guys have actually done that? Zero. Because they don't want to preach. It's not in their spirit. They saw somebody else do it, and they liked what the people said, and they liked how the people acted, And a level of insecurity is in their heart. So they think if they get on this stage, they'll have some sort of fulfillment that they don't have outside of this stage. But can I tell you, if you get into this thing unfulfilled, you will leave this thing unfulfilled. This isn't what fulfills you. This mic in my hand doesn't bring me any satisfaction. If anything, this thing has made me contemplate taking my own life. But I'll tell you who brings fulfillment in my life. It's Jesus Christ. It's the presence of God. It's knowing that this isn't something I do to make other people happy or bring me satisfaction. I do this because it's in my... I was doing this at the lunch table. I was doing this when there were five kids in the youth group and two of them were my brother and sister and one of them was my cousin. It's in my spirit. And I'm I'm just afraid that too many of us are living our lives based on what we have seen someone else possess instead of what God has spoken to us in our spirit. Hmm. But if you are willing to act like you have it when you don't, it's yours. But if you aren't willing to look crazy For believing in it before you see it, you don't really want it. I am tired of preachers who want to preach to a crowd, but not their unsaved neighbors and coworkers. And I tell you, every person who stands in this pulpit, from Derek Hudson, who was an example in his high school, who who has who has led ministries without titles and gathered people without any accolades or a Fred Hudgens who has preached to kids for 25 plus years at this church. Come on, man. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to me. That verse is not speaking about the canon of Scripture, the King James Version of the Bible. Romans 10, 17, he says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. This was written before the Scripture was ever, the Bible was ever put together. And the word there that is used in the Greek is not logos. It's not talking about Bible. It's not talking about written word. It's talking about rhema, spoken word. Rhema, the word rhema means that which has been uttered by the living voice. It's the same word used in Luke 5. We've talked about Luke 5 with Peter, where Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word. He's not saying, nevertheless, at a scripture I read. And there's no replacing the logos. But there is there is no spirit-led life without Rhema. We, without Rhema, we do not get. And the Spirit will whisper into your ear. And he will tell you, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Because I need answers that that the I, I need I need answers that I cannot find in the scripture. Let me let me tell you what I mean. The scripture gives me so many answers, but the scripture doesn't help me choose a college. The scripture doesn't help me. It can give me some qualifications for a mate. It can give me qualifications for a relationship. It can speak into those things, but it can't tell me who to marry, where to live. Come on, somebody. I need more than just logos. This is not adding to or taking away. This is what Jesus said would happen. He said, I have been with you. When the Spirit of God comes, He will live in you. And He will tell you all of the things that I said to you. And He will also speak to you about things that are to come. The Holy Spirit will get in your life like a Google search and he will search the future and he will tell you in the present what's getting ready to happen in the future so that you can prep your life and make ready your I I need you to hear me because because, you know, I, I, I don't have a verse for go to this college. I don't have a verse for live in this city. I don't have a verse for go to that church. I don't have a verse for marry that person. I can give you the qualifications for a person that you should marry. I can give you the, 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 the boundaries that you should have in your relationship. But you need a rhema to know who, where. And so faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Here's the thing about faith. I will never have the faith to receive something that isn't for me. I said it to you this way a minute ago. I do not have to build my life on a word that God gave you. This keeps me from wasting my time believing God to do something for me that isn't for me. And a lot of things we're asking God for aren't for us. We're just asking because we saw somebody else with it. Let me give you another thought. I'm going to let you go. 750. You have to keep asking. Remember he said, ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking. This is the principle of Jacob in the Old Testament when Jacob wrestles with the angel, when he wrestles with what he says was both God and man. The only person I know to be both God and man is the son this is, an, this is an Old Testament type shadow appearance of the son who has always existed. Jesus didn't just show up. Come on, somebody. The word didn't just show up in the New Testament. In Matthew, the word was at the beginning creating the world with God and with the Holy Ghost. In, John said in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Come on. Okay. So Jacob wrestles, and what does Jacob do? The angel's like, Ah, you going to stop? He's like, nah, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. We see it in Luke 11. Some people are like, nah, that's an Old Testament thing, you know. We don't have to have that kind of tenacity in the New Testament. Ah, oh, you just have not read your Bible. Luke 11, Jesus tells a story. He says that, let me just, I want to read it to you because it's so, it's so good. Jesus is so serious in this, this explanation. The disciples have asked Jesus how to pray. And, and Jesus says this, he, he gives them this pattern for prayer that so many people know. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, uh, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the power, kingdom, and glory forever. Amen. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to talk about prayer and he uses a, a story. And he says, Which of you, if you had a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, which of you for a friend of in this? Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on the journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, "Do not trouble me; the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you." I say to you, though he will not rise to give it give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his shameless audacity, he will rise and give it to him. As he needs. Look at that. There is something Jesus says. Jesus says you need to understand something about prayer. There are some things that you do not get without persistence. A request will not open the door. He said even though he is your friend. Friendship will not open the door. The only thing that opens and gives you access to this. Is shameless audacity. Audacity. Jesus is saying there are some things that I'm going to do for you that just asking me won't be enough. There are some things that I'm going to do for you and just being in relationship with me isn't enough to get me to open the door. There are some things that I am waiting on you to get shamelessly audacious about, to get to the point where you don't care what anybody thinks about you, to where you know so much in your spirit that it belongs to you, that you start acting like it belongs to you before it ever gets in your hand. It's the same thing that happened to David when his wife was making fun of him because of the way he worshiped. He says, if you think this is crazy, if you think I've acted like this, and you think this is out of control, then wait until you see what I do next. And I feel like I'm in a room full of some people tonight who understand that there are some things that God wants to do for me that require me being shamelessly audacious. Are you still praying about that? Yes, I am. You still believe in God for that? You better believe I am. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. And you still, you still not seen it. You're still believing for that? Yes, I am. I was talking to my friend Chad Veach. Y'all, most of y'all know Chad Veach. Just, as, just, as, just like he's a brother here. He's been here so many times. Chad Veach, just recently, his daughter, Georgia, is 11 years old. And Chad and Julia are still praying every night that God would heal her every single night and they have been faced with and and it's funny because people on the outside are like maybe maybe we should just stop praying people on the outside are just maybe we should give up but when it's your daughter when it's your kid when it means something to you and the reason you can give up on it because it's not in your spirit. But Georgia isn't just a Georgia isn't just a, a person they know about. Georgia is she's in her their spirit. Ah they, she belongs to them. And and they they he said, I'll ask until she isn't here to ask anymore. I'll never forget, I was, I was with Mark Holcomb, who's part of our team. Mark, we were at a funeral home, and this man had passed away named Owen, and we, me and my dad and Mark, we went to this funeral home, and the wife had asked us to pray for him that God would raise him from the dead. And we're there, and we're praying that God would raise him from the dead. And I just remember Mark is going in. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, Mark's like laying on top of his body and just speaking into his face. And, and he doesn't get up. And I, I, I said to Mark, I was like, that doesn't seem like the first time you've done that. He's like, no, it's not. I'm like, has anybody ever gotten up? He's like, not yet. But I'm going to the, I'm gonna swing for the fences until I die. I, somebody's getting up. You've got some praise. Somebody's getting up. I will not let go until you bless me. Hey! Somebody, somebody's getting up. Somebody's gonna get up. Alright. Okay. Are y'all ready to sing something else? Okay. Y'all ready? What do you, you Can we see something like, maybe you didn't practice. What was the song you were gonna sing? Gratitude. Ah, uh, we need something with some like electric guitar in it. And... Right. Right. How... Can we do rattle? Rattle. Can we do rattle? Do you need a second? Pull it together. I got some more stuff to say. <laughs> there's a a woman in the New Testament she comes to Jesus and she says my daughter needs to be healed and Jesus ignores her and she cries out to Jesus again and he's like "Hey, hey 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 lady chill out it's not your time stop asking me about that and then she cries out again and he goes hey listen it's It's uh, starting to get annoying. Um, I'm not going to give this type of bread to the dogs. This is why some of us miss it. Because we would have walked away at what seemed like an insult. But it wasn't an insult, it was an invitation to ask again. (laughs) Oh, so she asked and she said, hey, you know, Jesus, I understand that all of that is true and I get it that you're not here for the Gentiles, you're here for the Jews, I get all of that and it's all a prophetic thing about Jesus's ministry, she said, but even dogs get crumbs from the master's table sometimes. In other words, it doesn't take a lot. All I'm asking for is a little thing compared to what you have the power to do. And I think sometimes our perspective needs to shift from, man, this is a really hard thing for God to do to, man, this is nothing for him.
1: God, you don't even
0: have, you don't even have to shoot lasers out of your eyeballs for this one. You don't have to stand up off the throne for this one. You can wink and this one gets done. You could you can whisper and this one gets done. That's why we we are we are (laughs) we are desperate because desperation is an indicator that if all you give us is crumbs, it's more than enough. It's more than enough. Amen. Y'all ready yet? My goodness. We ready? Okay. You good? What's going on with you? Do we need him to do this song? Do we? I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. We do. Because you sing it. You sing it, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's hit it. You got it? Okay. Y'all ready? Okay. I'm getting out of the way. We're going to worship, then I'll come up and close and we'll baptize some people, okay? Let's sing this song. Oh, thank you, Mark. I didn't know what to do without an organ. You guys having fun? You excited? Yeah, let's just kick it, man. We don't need that. some folks getting baptized there's a there's a leak in our baptismal tank so the water could overflow i think that's just a prophetic statement about what's going to happen what is happening in our house i love you god bless you